Episode 273 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm Managing Editor Kirk Seminoff, sitting in for Bill. Well, it's hard to believe Kim Kroll has been president of Butler Community College for 10 years now. In that time, the college, based in El Dorado, but with a satellite campus in Andover, has remained a popular option for Wichita area high school grads, and it has many things going on that differentiate it from other two-year colleges. Kroll joins me in episode 273 to talk about Butler, including its brand new Redler Institute of Culinary Arts. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week's cover story looks at school shootings and what local school districts and law enforcement agencies are doing in the wake of the mass shooting last May in Uvalde, Texas. Reporter Daniel McCoy talks to experts about what's important in preventing such incidents. That story begins on page 16. We have two lists in this week's paper, automobile dealerships and advertising agencies. See who sold the most cars and who has the most clients beginning on page eight. Our Women Who Lead series this month spotlights outstanding women in professional services. Meet them beginning on page 20. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 31. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. It's great to have Butler Community College President, Dr. Kimberly Kroll, join me on this week's podcast to talk all things Grizzlies. Another great. school year has started and, and Butler has some innovative and interesting things going on. Kim, thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for the invite. I'm glad to glad to join you. It'll be fun. Let's start with you. It's it's hard to believe this is your tenth year, beginning your tenth year as Butler's president. Does it seem like it's gone seem like it's gone by quickly? And and do first weeks of school get any easier? Oh, it has gone really, really fast. I you know it's hard to believe ten years has has slipped by. Um, the first the first weeks of every semester are a lot of fun. It's it's fun to have students back on campus and just the energy and um, always the first couple of days of the semester I'm out and about on the El Dorado campus and the Andover campus, poking in and out of classrooms and faculty offices and just saying hi and welcome and it's it's really fun. We the vice president Dr. Tom Neville and I did that both on Monday and Tuesday this this uh, week and it's just fun to have people back. There's a lot of energy. Good to see faces. And it's good to be back. You know, it feels like things are sort of back to normal, mm-hmm. finally. Yeah, that's true. I And I'm, we're going we're gonna to look forward in what you've got going on at Butler now. But I do want to ask about 10 years. That's a bit of a milestone. What, you know, huh? Butler probably looks and acts much different than it did in 2013 when you took over. What are you most proud of? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, I knew that Butler was a special institution when I came here. I had I had gotten acquainted with Dr. Vietti, who was Butler's longtime president, you know, through state level meetings. And 
and knew that Butler was a really special place. And I think one of the things that became so obvious to me right away is just how special the people are and the focus on students and student success. You know, that 10-year time frame, there's been such incredible changes in technology um, and just innovative teaching techniques and, you know, the focus that we have for faculty development, all of those kinds of things have really evolved over time. Um, you know, we've we've done some renovation to our campus in Andover, the 5,000 building. We finished that a couple of years ago, and that was a really significant change to really um, expand um, the the inside of that building footprint and renovate and update that to create a real student focus and and just update the outside of that campus. So it's really, you know, that really changed things. And then, of course, you know, our Redler Institute that we just did the ribbon cutting on uh, last week has been a really exciting uh, change for the college, too. So lots of things in 10 years. Hard to. That's, you know, that's the next thing more. I wanted to. That's oh. the next thing I wanted to ask about. Sorry okay. to interrupt you. Uh, it, it, it's your newest innovation. It's the Redler Institute for Culinary Arts. It's right there in Andover at Andover Road in, yeah. in Kellogg, US 54. Uh, you know, it's named after Scott Redler, the co-founder of Freddy's, uh, mm -hmm. of course, longtime supporter of the college. Um, can you kind of take us through how this came about and, and what you have now in Andover? You know, we, um, Scott has been part of our culinary and hospitality programs for probably more than 20 years. We can't even really remember how long it's been. So it, we, we think it's probably at least 20 plus years when we started that hospitality program. He was one of the first people on our advisory committee. And so he's been a huge supporter of our program, you know, all that time um, and impactful, you know, not only from a curriculum review perspective, but creating opportunities for our students along the way. Um, and so he's been always been a really active partner and engaged and, and all of those kinds of things. So this isn't really a new, you know, revelation. But um, when we uh, for the last 12 years, our culinary program has been at the Boston Rec Center in Wichita. Um, and we were place bound there, no room to really expand. Um, and, you know, we, we uh, were in some conversations, of course, with WSU and WSU Tech about partnering program. And, and we just, you know, that just didn't work out for us the, you know, the right way. And so, um, and Scott was involved in those conversations as well. And at that time, we were kind of looking for a space to expand, uh, because we knew we needed to get out of Boston Rec and, and have a place to grow. And so just the circumstances and kind of changing events um, uh, put us in a position where um, we, needed, we needed to move from the Boston Rec Center. Um, and Scott was at the table with us. And, uh, you know, he was asking what we were going to do. And I said, you know, I, I, I need to kind of think about this just a little bit. And um, when we got back together a few days later to kind of talk about things, I said, you know, we, we got to move forward with our program. We've got to grow it and expand it. And so we need to find some place, you know, to, to, to do that. And he, you know, uh, stepped up to the table and he said, you know, I got some ideas here. Betsy and I have some ideas. And, and you know, that was sort of the initial conversation about, um, where we were headed. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was probably a month or, you know, six weeks later, uh, we, we were the benefactors, our foundation benefactor of the single largest gift in this college's history from an individual. And that's what launched this whole 
um, uh, process to build this beautiful state-of-the-art, you know, culinary institute. And it's been a fantastic ride the entire way to do this with Scott and Betsy. You know, his um, 40 years or however long it's been in the, you know, the hospitality and restaurant industry brings tremendous experience, you know, to the table and ideas and innovative kinds of things about, you know, multifunctional space and, and, you know, um, and he's the president of the National uh, Hotel and Restaurant Association and has this lifelong connection to colleagues all across the nation. And it's been fascinating and so exciting to see this all come together and to see, you know, his colleagues across the nation rally around this institute as well. They're excited about about this opportunity. So it's really been one of the privileges of my entire career to be part of this project and to work with them there. And, and their whole focus, their whole focus is about creating opportunities for students. And that's the that's what integrates so completely with Butler's mission about changing students' lives. And so it's been it's been phenomenal. There is the obvious visual transition from a city rec center to yeah. a state-of-the-art institute there in Andover. But talk about how you market that and how what are expectations for what where the program can go? Because as you said, it's not a new program. It's been around a long time. Well, and and it's we've got some new chefs in our program, and there's just a whole focus, a, a, a different focus on um you know, it's coming about even nationally about farm to fork and sourcing, you know, your food from local producers and um, a, a stronger focus on healthy eating and healthy living and all of those kinds of things. We've got great opportunities to do those, um, to continue to do those kinds of things. Um, and so we're excited about that. This space, this building, um, lots of light, lots of windows, um, but the thing that's really, really cool about it, it's not a, a huge building. We went to look at some other culinary institutes as we were designing and looking at this that were big and spread out and multi-story. And, you know, we walked away from from looking at those in, in different states saying, you know what, uh, we don't need a building that size. We can be multifunctional and use our space. And so, the um, classrooms all have, they have glass doors that open up. Uh, the kitchen has glass door. One of the kitchens has glass doors that open up. Uh, the doors, uh, the glass wall between one of the classrooms and the outside patio and pergola open up. So we can open up this entire space for entertaining, for traffic flow, for you know, students coming and going. People that are there in the building can look into the kitchens and see people you know, working. So really smart kinds of, um, you know, innovative ways to use this space. But um, we also have a partnership with Johnson County Community College. Um, they have the only nationally accredited um, culinary program uh, that allows students to get their national certification from, uh, from the national level. And so we have a partnership that we formed with them two years ago so that our students can complete some additional internship hours in the Wichita area or in South Central Kansas, but sit for that certification then through this partnership with Johnson County. So that allows the students um, even, 
you know, additional certifications as sous chefs and culinarians, which is which is pretty incredible as well. It, it, it seems to really help that this has turned out to be a need, not just here, but everywhere. And because in large part because of the pandemic, I mean, careers in restaurants, whether that be management, cooking, everything else involved, I would think. Well, and I think the other thing that, you know, the pandemic taught all of us that we don't necessarily have to have a brick and mortar footprint to be successful and to um, be able to keep a thriving business alive. Um, so we have a food truck uh, that that came uh, as part of a donation to the program uh, because we have students that are being trained uh, that don't want a brick and mortar restaurant. They want to start their own business, but for them, it, you know, they they want to do food truck. It's more cost effective. It you know fits with their vision for what you know what they want to do with their career, whether it's catering or whatever. And so, you know, our food truck is food truck is a great addition to the to the program as well to be able to train students on you know that that business portion of the uh, hospitality and and restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of the other things going on on campus. I've always been intrigued with this. Butler is last year you became one of Kansas. Well, Kansas is only a, a creative Kansas, a campus for Adobe, right? Uh, and one of only fifty in the world. Right. Uh, can you kind of break down what does that mean, and, and what does it mean for students? More importantly, well, um, to be an Adobe Creative Campus, that means that that our students and faculty and staff have access to the entire Adobe Creative Suite. Uh, free of charge. The college uh, purchase, purchases and pays for the licensing so that any student, any faculty member, any staff member can access the Adobe Creative Suite, any of those, any of those portions of the Adobe Creative Suite, either on campus or off campus, as long as they're enrolled. And so, you know, our focus is, is very much now on creating, um, Helping our students make sure that they're prepared to go out in the industry, that they're that they're uh, fluent with digital with digital media, uh, you know, digital literacy and digital fluency is a requirement now. And so, this being able to embed uh, the Adobe Creative Suite in classroom learning for them to just use is a is a critical skill that our students need. And so, uh, we we're really excited about that. We have. Um, all of our licenses that, that the college pays for, all of them are um, used by students and faculty and staff. Uh, Adobe's been really surprised at how quickly we rolled this out and how comprehensive it's been accepted on campus. And um, so, you know, even if, if somebody's taking one class from us, like a Photoshop class or something like that, they have access to the Adobe um, suite free of charge. And I think I think the student version of that is like $300 or something like that. So it's a huge savings for, you know, for students to be able and staff and faculty to be able to use it. And actually, I even use it, I, you know, to the PowerPoint presentations and those kinds of things. If, if you use Express, it's fun and it's easy. And even, you know, somebody as old as I am, uh, you know, that that's not technologically advanced. I was really proud of myself. The first presentation I did, I was like, yeah, I can do this. If I can do this, anybody can, you know? So it's, it's pretty cool. We're excited about it. And, and um, we, a lot of those um, Adobe, the portions of that Adobe suite, we're putting those online 
so they'll be able to access them all online uh, over, uh, we've got some of them online now, but um, you know, that again, creates opportunity for maybe folks that are working full time and they can take, you know, a class online in the evening if, you know, if they want to, or fit it into their work schedule. So, so even people, you know, that aren't full-time students would have access then to the Adobe suite as well. So. As somebody who uses InDesign and Photoshop a lot, I could, I could use the help. <laughs> well, you know what, then you're perfect. We have, we, we um, have three sections of Photoshop this semester uh, and nearly 80 students enrolled in just those three sections. They filled up just instantly. And so look look for the next, look for spring. We'll enroll you. How about that? <laughs> I, I want to connect that to another program you have going on. It's called My Butler Laptop. It, and students in a, for a minimum number of credit hours can, in effect, purchase a laptop for $150. And, and it's right. theirs. You don't want it back. Right. Can you tell about, talk about how that program works and and what kind of reaction do you get from students on it? We we rolled that out using some of the federal stimulus dollars that we got. Um, we certainly learned when we went remote in March of 2020 that we had students that didn't have access to technology that didn't you know didn't have their own. They were trying to do their homework on their phones. You know they didn't have access to technology or they didn't have access to the internet even. They would come out here to the college parking lot because we have border to border wireless and they would sit in the parking lot and, you know, uh, try and stay connected to class. We had faculty and staff that didn't have mobile devices, or, you know, or technology that they had at home. But so it was really kind of part of the evolution of COVID that we realized that we needed to create greater access for our students um, in an affordable way. Um, because they, they don't all have the money, you know, to purchase their own laptop or, you know, or tablets or whatever. And so we use some of those federal stimulus dollars to, to set this program up. And then we've figured out through our technology access fee that we charge how to maintain a sustainable, you know, program, um, over time. But yeah, if a student is enrolled, we're, we say for, for $150, if they're enrolled in, I think, nine credit hours or something like that, um, they can have access to this um, laptop. And it's not a, I mean, it's not a high-end one, you know, but it'll do what they need it to do. And so if they stay enrolled with us for three semesters, some programs only are only a year long. So two semesters, they can, you know, they can take the laptop with them. We don't want it back. It's theirs. They can use their federal financial aid if they're if they qualify for federal financial aid, because this is a classroom, you know, uh, uh, tool. Uh, they can use their federal financial aid to cover the cost of that laptop. And we also have a, a partnership with Ribbit Computers that if they have a um, service need or a technology issue or something like that, then they can get a hold of Ribbit and Ribbit will do that you know, do that service or that technology, uh, solve that technology issue for them, which is a huge help for us because, you know, it, it doesn't uh, take our staff time then to do that. But that's a partnership um, that we've a contract that we, you know, put together with with Rivet to do that. So it's a it's a tremendous opportunity for our students. We rolled it out in the spring. And so we had I don't remember now how many students we had in the spring, but uh, this fall, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing uh, a lot of students take advantage of the of the opportunity. 
um, especially because they can use their federal financial aid to help cover the cost. You, you mentioned a couple of things that I want to get into, the federal stimulus dollars, uh, technology, and it all kind of goes back to the pandemic. And it's something that I've really found interesting talking to talking with educators over the past two and a half years. Um, it's, it's today's students. And I have I have a 19 year old daughter who's in the college and finished high school during the pandemic. So it's yeah. really a lot of interest to me. Um, what effects have you seen that the pandemic and pandemic learning and I guess campus shutdowns, virtual learning, everything involved have had on students who are in college now. You know, when we came back, um, when we came back in the fall of 20, you know, we cut our class sizes in half and we were doing the social distancing, all of that sort of stuff. And so it would have been in the spring of 21 as that academic year was finishing up, I had student forums um, and, and said to students, okay, you know, this has been a crazy time for you guys. What, tell me what worked well and what we should never do again. I mean, you know, run away screaming and say, don't ever do that to us again. And one of the things that came out of that conversation with the students was we need, we need the flexible technology. We need access um, and, and don't ever um, eliminate our ability to, to have flexible technology. So the zoom, you know, the zoom options, you know, we, and it, I, I think in a sense, it sort of surprised me because everybody was so tired of zoom, but they were juggling work schedules, multiple jobs, childcare, still people that, you know, that had family members that were sick, um, and, and worries about being out and about, uh, among people. And so, Again, one of the things that we did was use some of our federal stimulus dollars to build out what we're calling high flex classrooms. Uh, we'll have 50 of them built out, um, I think by the end of this uh, fall semester, but they're Zoom classrooms. So, uh, you know, the instructors in the classroom, but students, if they're sick or if they, you know, are working a couple of jobs and they only have a certain amount of time between, you know, shifts, and they can't come to class, they can zoom in and still stay, you know, make progress and still stay up with uh, with what they're doing in the classroom. And so that was one of the things that we learned from our students was don't don't eliminate that option for us because we need it. And we still hear that as we as we talk to students and as we, you know, are working with them to get them enrolled, we still hear them talking about I I don't have childcare. I'm having to work multiple jobs, um, you know, financially I'm worried. And so I'm going to take a few less credit hours this semester because I, you know, I don't know if I have enough money, you know, for the entire semester. And so, you know, we're, we're seeing still some of the after effects or the effects of COVID, um, you know, on our students that way. Uh, people are, glad to be back face-to-face. -face. Uh, we're excited to be able to, you know, have our theater and our vocal music events and the athletic events and all of those kinds of things. Um, and so that feels like it's, you know, kind of getting back to normal. Um, but um, the, the students that graduated with us last spring that, that received their associate's degrees from Butler. That was the first commencement ceremony that they'd had because they, for a lot of them, because they'd missed their high school commencement, you know, two years before. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't it's, know. 
it, it sounds like, you know, not only flexibility for students is a must, but the college itself has to be flexible. You have to react to what students want. Talk about how you think Butler has done in that regard. And then do you think all colleges are, are just, you know, basically having to do that or you lose students? I We've all learned a lot. You know, we, we all have learned um, that the technology, I mean, we got shoved into it really fast. You know, we, that was our spring break week and we took another week to get ready, but we literally shifted in less than two weeks time, everybody from face-to-face to to remote classes uh, and did it very successfully. And I think it was because we'd taught online classes for a number of years. We had a number of faculty that were very accomplished in an online um, virtual learning environment. And we took all of our faculty, our faculty development team took all of our faculty and sorted them all out and paired up the power users with the ones that weren't power users, and they mentored each other that spring semester. So our faculty even learned, you know, some of them that hadn't taught in a virtual environment learned that they could do it and and that they enjoyed. Some of them really enjoyed it. So we saw some shift in, in faculty <coughs> teaching, you know, teaching styles uh, for sure. And, and, um, you know, I think that we also learned that um, we, we don't have to be face to face in the same office on the same physical location to get our work done. Uh, you know, even from a like a payroll or a finance perspective, I mean, you, you we were so used to, you know, handing things off to each other, but we were forced into a situation where we had to figure out with the banks how to do a lot of this stuff you know, remotely using technology and still have the checks and balances in place. So there were a lot of things that, you know, that we, you know, we thought, well, we'll get to this eventually, but you, we were forced into a situation where we had to do it. And those are the things that you won't walk away from. They create efficiencies. They, you know, they streamline processes. Um, And so we learned a lot of good things through this that we continue to embed in our workflows and in our teaching, uh, in our classrooms. A a couple of programs I wanted to ask you about, and I'm not quite sure if they're a result of flexibility from the pandemic, but the new Fire Academy, which which helps uh, those students interested in becoming firefighters or or careers like that uh, accelerate into that career. And then the nursing collaboration with with Cowley County down uh, with Cowley College down in Cowley County. You know, I I think really the Fire Science Academy sort of is a result of COVID because of the workforce demand. You know, we we saw such a change in we've seen such a change in workforce and workforce pipelines. Uh, again, a lot of that is a result of what's happened with COVID and people retiring and you know trying to fill the the workforce pipelines. And so the Fire Academy, the Fire Science Academy is a shortened, compact, intense um, learning opportunity. You know, our, our two-year program uh, has been compressed into a shorter time frame. So I was just in that classroom on Monday when I was out wandering around and I think there were, you know, nine or 10 students in it, um, but they're meeting four days a week uh, for 16 weeks from nine to four every day. And in that time frame, they're going to finish their firefighter one, firefighter two, hazmat, and um, 
uh, EMT basic courses, which would, uh, you know, in the, in the normal program, normal schedule be spread out over a longer period of time. Um, so, you know, they're compacting it so that those folks can go to work more quickly, be certified and, you know, and ready to go. Um, and there's a lot of energy and a lot of interest around that, again, uh, from local <coughs> fire departments, because they need employees, they need certified employees. And so, you know, those are some of the things that we've learned uh, about how to, you know, maybe shift that more traditional eight week and 16 week, you know, academic program into a more compact um, time frame. Uh, we do weekend welding where our welding, where welding students can finish some certifications by, you know, coming in on Saturdays and in being trained again for that, you know, that same reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's fun to see faculty and staff innovating and looking at those opportunities that will support our business partnerships and, you know, and industry in the area mm-hmm. and fill that need. Um, the, you want me to talk about the Cali thing or were you going to ask another right. question? No, go ahead. So the Cali partnership um, will eventually create 16 additional seats in our nursing program. They were they were in need of uh, a nursing uh, partnership, uh, a couple of you know rural access hospitals in their area, the the um, South Central uh, Kansas Medical Center that's in Arc City, and then the William Newton Hospital that's in Winfield are critical, you know, critical to that area of uh, surrounding uh, Arc City there. And um, they need they need nurses, you know, like everybody else does. And so Callie came to us to see if we would be willing to partner with them uh, to teach in space that they have in Winfield in one of their buildings there um, and and expand our nursing program to add, uh, I think next fall, fall of 2023, yeah, fall of 23, we would add um, eight additional seats down there. And then the following fall, we would add eight more. So a total of 16 um, seats. Uh, And we think that probably, I mean, we have students right now in our nursing program that come from, from in that area. And so again, when we think about it, we think that there would be some students that might normally come to the El Dorado campus that would stay because it's closer. You know, they oftentimes have families or kids in school or, you know, whatever. And so that might be more convenient for them so they don't have to travel. Um, And the William Newton Hospital is willing to provide clinical space, um, South Central clinical space um, as part of the partnership. William, uh, William Newton's talking about scholarshiping students. And so it's a really great partnership. Callie's got some uh, equipment that we're, you know, able to use. So the equipment costs for this program to, for the partnership were not significant at all. Um, we have um, Kansas Board of Nursing has approved the partnership, the expansion. And, and the next step is to send it now to the national level to ASIN for approval and then Higher Learning Commission as well. Um, I wanted to be sure to ask you about, you know, last week we had our eighth annual diversity and inclusion awards and, and Butler was an honoree for its advanced yep. Kansas program. 
Yeah. It's a program that I think a lot of people know about, but a lot of people don't know about it. Can you talk about what it is and, and why it's been so successful? Sure. It uh, We're in our 14th year uh, with Advanced Kansas. Um, and and it's, it's a, a leadership training. It's a, it's a diversity leadership training opportunity for uh, area leaders and decision makers with a very strong focus on understanding the value of um, bringing diverse viewpoints, diverse experiences, um, diverse ideas around the table to create a more successful uh, decision-making process and a more successful um, business. Uh, we know nationally, I mean, if you read, if you read articles about, you know, that concept of, uh, listening and hearing all voices and giving people, uh, you know, with with diverse experiences and diverse ideas a, a seat at the table, your business is going to be more successful. We love being part of this because, again, our focus on students and student success is being, you know, being able to help prepare them to live and work in a global society and in a diverse world. And so we have a great partnership with uh, Spirit Aerosystems has been a longtime partner in this um, uh, initiative. Meritrust, Cox, uh, Evergy, and Envision now are partners as well. But it really, um, it really is dedicated to strengthening, you know, commu uh, communities and businesses uh, so that they're more successful. Juan Johnson is the facilitator. Um, the program takes usually about forty leaders uh, every year. As part of it, in the last couple of years, we started a a graduate series that uh, that's a day and a half long, intense conversations that kind of just carry on deeper conversations of the things that you've learned in Advanced Kansas. And as part of it, then there's also a focus on community projects that uh, the participants can choose to work on. They begin have an impact. Um, and and a, uh, a real focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, you know, initiatives that are within the communities and stuff. And so uh, I, I went through it a few years ago, and it's, uh, it's eye-opening because it, it makes you take a look at yourself first and what your belief systems are and, you know, really kind of breaks down some of those barriers that maybe you have for yourself. Uh, and and then allows you to you know to learn and and be a better leader and a better decision maker. I think. Well, I know that over the years, as as I've read profiles of our diversity and inclusion honorees, how many of them reference Advanced Kansas and how it helped them yeah. along the way. So credit to yeah. you in that program. I think um, I think now we have. I I didn't look at the number for sure. I bet we have more than three hundred people total now that have been through advanced Kansas. Uh, well, actually we'd have, you know, maybe almost, uh, we'd have more than 400 probably by now we're in our 14th class, but it started out, it was Dr. Vietti, longtime Butler president and Brian Black who, you know, came to Wichita uh, and came to the urban league to start off with. And Brian had been part of a program uh, in South Carolina or North Carolina. I don't remember now for sure which, where he came from, but he was connected to Juan Johnson, uh, who's who's uh, in Georgia. And so Brian was really the one that brought the concept to Wichita, to the Urban League. 
and then within a year got partnered with with Butler and Jackie and that's how it expanded um you know and and how Butler has been involved but we're really proud of it and and um just proud to be able to be part of those conversations and be a leader in creating that awareness and um, opportunity in South Central Kansas for our, you know, our leaders and community, community members. Well, it's a valuable and needed program. Well, thanks. Dr. Cole, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Best of luck on a, on a successful 10th year as president and everything at Butler. And uh, we look forward to keeping up with how things are going. Thank you. Thanks. This has been really fun. So I've enjoyed it. And it's just always fun to, you know, talk about the great things that are happening. And, and, you know, I would simply sign off and say, Butler's really proud that we get to change students' lives every single day. That's, that's why we come to work and we love what we do. So it's a, it's a privilege to be able to impact their lives and their families' lives and the community's lives because of the work we do. So that's terrific. Thanks so much. Thank you. Talk to you again. That's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 273. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and thank you for subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.